Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, a very big welcome to you, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Alex will answer the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. So if you'd like to give us a call. And Mr. Kelly. Yes, big sir. Big week for news. So oh, did goodness. it put extra pressure on all you guys? Uh, a little bit, especially Tuesday, of course. Uh, election nights are kind of the Super Bowl for newsrooms. Right. I fortunately had the day off, but I was in early on Wednesday, changed schedules. And so everybody's putting in a little extra time. Uh, so much of it is happening outside the St. Louis area, Philadelphia, Atlanta, you right. know, uh, Arizona, places like that, that it doesn't really stress us as much because of that. You know, we got CBS to help us cover all of that. So sure. uh, a little, I would say, though, a little bit more stress than than usual, for sure. Uh, and then in the middle of all this with the pandemic, you know, that, <laughs> it's just yeah, crazy. Yeah, what a combination. Oh, my God. So this morning, I don't know if you, your listeners, if they missed the program this morning, I did have the professor of happiness on, uh, Dr. Tim Bono. He's a psychologist uh, professor, psychology professor at Washington University, and he kind of had some advice for how to de-stress a little bit. So wow. you can go to camwatch.com, the podcast page, Total Information AM Weekend. Of course, after your show, do this. No. And uh, and listen to him if you want. Great guy. And very, up. you know, it, it helps. Kind of uplifting. So. so, yeah, you look uplifted yourself. I am uplifted, doggone it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a beautiful day. It's Saturday. Absolutely. You know, I'm on KMOX. What? what? It doesn't get a whole lot better. And uh, the fall color is still unbelievable. Just gorgeous. I mean, some trees have, you know, totally defoliated, but other ones are still holding on to quite a few leaves. Some have lost their leaves. Yeah. Oh, is that what you meant by defoliated? Okay. Yes, defoliated. (laughs) That's a big word, man. Come on. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. for you. (laughs) (laughs) That has like nine or ten letters. Yes. So, yeah, it is still beautiful. No question about it. So maybe get out and take a drive today. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Sounds good. All you right. get to take a drive when you go home. I do. Right down the bluffs, and it is gorgeous. Right. No question. Thanks, Brian. You bet. It's Saturday morning, and let's have a roundtable discussion, discussion about uh, your yard, back, side, front, your landscapes, specialty garden space. How are those houseplants? 
couple people as I wander through the neighborhood on my daily walks, morning and then afternoon after lunch, a few people have left their house plants out. And that one cool morning kind of, they don't look so good. But anyway, what is a potting mix? How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning right now? Uh, what are the, speaking of bugs, for the last three days, not not this morning, but three days in a row, there was a praying mantis hanging out on our kitchen window on the screen. So I wonder what that, he would go away in, during the day and then he'd come back and come back to that same screen. It was like, what? This guy must be nuts. But anyway, uh, using information from my discussions will hopefully help you orchestrate and solidify your options. But of course, the final judgment is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's producing, and he answers the phone as well as push the buttons. Yes, push the buttons. Mike Miller, that's me, host of the Garden Hotline since 1994. And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to do that. It's called a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage will be my email address and phone number where I can be reached. A couple of people had contacted me about contacting them. Unfortunately, my system went down and they're lost. I can't find them. I'm not smart enough. Anyway, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 3344. In the city, there's a street named Federer, and there's one Leona at that intersection. Across the street on from on Leona, some of the best outdoor holiday decorators are in that, that stretch of houses. And as I stepped out of my car, there's probably like a four-foot, maybe five-foot caliper oak tree. A squirrel was up there chattering while he was having some acorns for breakfast. Uh, there's a little free library. Guess what? One of those standard things where you can drop off a book or return a book or take a book. And this one is charter number 37125. The lawn was scattered of all kinds of leaves, not just the leaves that are right in that particular area. And uh, the leaves, even though there hasn't been too much wind lately, they're still kind of blowing around. The architectural style of this building is from uh, probably the 1920s, maybe. That would be my guess. And this school is a J. Gabriel Warner School. And the sign out in front also reads, November's responsibility is kindness is contagious. Let's make it viral. There's a magnolia tree there in the front, and it's almost totally defoliated, while nearby a sweet gum tree holds on to the majority of its leaves. And underneath the sweet gum tree is six picnic tables. And uh, over a little bit, probably a little closer to school building, there's some pretty young river birch, maybe six-inch caliper, which is in a sunken spot, so that was a very good place to put them. The garden space, it's boxwood hedge with benches to sit and relax. There is a good clump of milkweed pods that were just opening up, and those seeds are just going to be blowing all over the place. Hopefully they'll find a place to land and germinate. And uh, uh, there is a kind of a cool caterpillar, one of those things you can kind of crawl through if you're a kid, 
I thought, well, maybe I should try, try crawling through there. I thought, I better not, because if I get stuck in there, how am I going to get out? The cannas that were planted in the garden space, well, they got nipped by the coal of a few days ago. There's strawberries sprawling all over. There's a gazebo that sits a short distance away, and it's embraced with a neatly trimmed boxwood. And all this sits on the east side of this school, Warner School, J. Gabriel Warner School. On the west side, there's a huge asphalt playground, and this is the back entrance to the gym. And this is where people in the 13th Ward, at least our part of the 13th Ward, go to vote. That's where Tracy and I migrated, and we stood in line for almost an hour and a half before we got finished. This line was zigzagging across. It was really kind of cool. It was neat to see so many people. And then you receive your ballot. Tracy did the electronic. I did the one where you get this little oval thing with a pen, and you get to fill that in. I just decided to do it that way. And it was great to see so many fellow members of the 13th Ward out there voting. Hooray to the USA. I know whoever you voted for, That's you're very conscientious about that. But thank goodness we can vote. Thank goodness this is the USA. And my goodness gracious, what could be better? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. (laughs) Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, but let's head for the first call of the day over to Kim's yard. Hi, Kim. Hello, Kim. Yes, hello. Hi. Hi. I have um, some questions regarding a butterfly garden I built at the back of my yard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I planted a bunch of stuff, and I don't think I ever saw crimson clover, prairie, purple prairie clover, but of course, milkweeds came, black eyed peas, marigolds, the African kind too, zinnias, cosmos. They're all perennials, right? They'll grow again next year. Yeah. Uh, most of them should, and if some of them are like it may be an annual, but it might be an annual type that self-seeds, so it'll just drop the seed and then come back from seed. But, yeah, they're ah, perennials. Okay. So now, you know, just a couple weeks ago, it still had flowers and looking all pretty, sure. and now it just looks like this, yeah, dead patch. <laughs> so I can just go, my understanding when I did this whole thing, so I could just go and um, weed whack them down, and leave it there, and that would be good? That's what I should do? Or Why not just do- embrace how it looks and just understand this is sort of nature because you put it in because you wanted a natural-type garden. So, yeah, you can whack it down, but uh, I would say just leave it. I was thinking of the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they care. <laughs> okay, okay, so it can't I be that don't- horrible. <laughs> <laughs> It's I just mean, a wall of death not, is what it looks like. It's now. not like a, you you dump your trash out there. This is plants. No, that's true. That's a very good point. Okay, so I just don't touch it until next year. Yeah, you right. You know, when I kind of clean it up. Basically, okay. right. When we come out of wintertime, then you can go out there and kind of, you know, clean it up. But uh, I would say, and especially since it's relatively new, I'm assuming, I would just... Yeah, I just did it this year. Yeah, I know? would say for the first couple of years, don't do anything. Leave everything alone. Okay. 
All right. Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> you have a great day. You do the very same thing. And now let's see. Let's go to Rhonda's yard. Hi, Rhonda. Hello there. Hi. I really, I just want to say I really enjoy your program, but I have a couple of questions about pruning. When is the best time to prune hydrangea bushes and ivy bushes? Uh, I, I don't know an ivy. Ivy generally is not a bush. Well, it's about, um, I'd say, three foot tall. No? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I guess it could be. But anyway, uh, with the hydrangeas, unless you know specifically which variety it is, I would just leave it alone. No pruning oh. whatsoever. And oh. hopefully you put it in a spot that it won't overgrow sidewalks or won't you know, block a view or whatever it happens to be. But we have more problems with people sort of miscalculating what variety they have. They don't know if they have a PG. They don't know if they have, you know, of whatever type. And so consequently they're pruning and then they're knocking, you know, the potential of flowers for the following season. So just leave it alone. Well, I'm so glad I called. What about mums? When and mums, can I cut those back? Yeah. yeah, basically, if are these mums that you've grown yourself, or were these ones that were potted that you bought this year? I bought this year. Okay, so take a look at them, and uh, are they in the ground, or are they still in the pots? No, I put them in the ground. Okay, look at the base where the stems are coming up out of the ground and see if there's little leaflets where the stems are coming up out of the ground. That sort of indicates that they, you know, the chances of them coming back is going to be pretty good. But over through the wintertime, leave that whole, all those stems and everything in place because that's going to offer a little bit of protection for the crown of the mum. So that's where the root system and the stems meet. That's sort of like the the point where all new growth begins. So wait until we come out of wintertime around Valentine's Day. Cut those stems off at that time. But prior to that, just leave them alone. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, we have a tendency, and I'm not exactly sure why. And maybe it's because I don't get too many haircuts. You know, so I just let things go kind of wild and crazy. And people have a tendency, I guess, because they do get haircuts, to want to cut, you know, give their plant materials haircuts. And so consequently, initially, when a plant is put in, it should be sort of like calculated as far as what mature size is going to be and everything else. So consequently, you can have a plant that gets robust on its own and not have to cause you constant, let's say, or yearly or whatever it happens to be, pruning because it's obstructing or it's causing problems or whatever it happens to be. So now let's head to Afton and go into Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mike. I've got a few quick uh, tree questions. Black gum, do they do well in this area? Oh, they love it. They do? Yeah, they can take wet soils. They have spectacular fall color. So, I mean, they're, you can't beat them. Okay. And what about, can you recommend a variety of magnolia? Well, there's so many different ones. It just depends upon what you, you know what you want out of them. Personally, I like the mag. It's nice to have so many that are blooming in the springtime, but I like the Sweet Bay Magnolia because it blooms in the summer, and it blooms and it has fragrance. So that happens to be my personal favorite. But there's so many other ones. You know, there's a you know the Saucer Magnolia, and so I mean it's just it's a personal choice as much as anything else. And then of course there's the let's say technically 
common name wise, the southern magnolia, which is the evergreen one. Oh, okay, that's the one that stays with the real plastic like leaves. Right. Okay. And what about a, a maple? Something with really good fall color. Well, every year it's going to be different because of our, the, our goofball weather. But, oh, okay. So it's never going to be consistent. So the ones that you see this year, but, uh, I mean, the Crimson King maple is a really, you know, I mean, that gives you kind of fall color all season long. Uh, personally, we've got sugar maples. We've got three of them around our house because we're on a corner. And this year they have been, up, you know, I mean, really striking. But the red maples in general are the one you're going to see throughout the entire region more so than anything else. Okay, great. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, with the, I mean, the magnolias, there's so many different kinds of saucer, the star. The saucer is a purple one. These are spring bloomers. And the star magnolia is a white-flowered one. So they bloom really early, but a lot of times what happens is, you know, just as they're coming into flower, we get a cold snap late in the season, and they go away. And that's why I like the one that blooms in the summertime. Oh, okay. I I really like the the ones that stay green. You know, the having that green going through the the colder months. And right. That... And so basically, just realize, you know, how large those are going to get. So don't put them too close to your house. Don't put them too close to existing large trees because it can be problematic for them. Okay. Great. Thanks very much. And now let's go over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Uh, love the show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. You bet. Hey, I have a question. Uh, My wife uh, planted a banana tree, banana plant, whatever, in the spring, put it in a pot, did great all year, and we were wanting to find out, can we pull that thing in over the winter and then put it back out in uh, next spring? Yeah, if you don't pull it in, it's going to be dead. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, you can do that. Some people cut them off. You know, because they don't have a space. If you cut them off, what do you do? As far as you just pull it in and just, you know, like set it at some place, you know, in your basement, someplace out of the way. I will forewarn you, though, if you do cut it off, watch out for the sap. It stains clothes and the stain, you can never get it out. Okay. So So where do you cut it off? If the leaves look good and everything looks good and you want to have it as a houseplant, you can do that, too. Yeah, she was talking about cutting it off and just putting it in the basement. That's but I, fine. I didn't know where you where do you cut it off and what do you, do you water it? Uh, generally, they you know they don't need to be watered, but uh, maybe once during the winter time. But yeah, cut it off and leave a stump of about uh, one to two inches. Oh, so then the next spring you just move that pot back out and right, and then that original the where the original stem that you cut off that's not going to produce new growth. But you're going to see side shoots. Okay. And then um, there you go. So just bring or leave it at about a couple inches, water it maybe once over the winter, and just leave it in the pot and move the pot out next spring. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. Yeah, bananas are totally wild and crazy. As people, longtime listeners know, there's a house close to me on Morgan Ford and Federer, and uh, I call it the Canna, the Canna Banana Farm. This guy does a fantastic job. Now he's got a whole lot of elephant ears, too. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I never see him dig up his bananas. But he has to because I just know he's, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should talk to him the next time I see him. But anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or one 800 
925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, remember to keep mowing your lawn. Now, with the zoysias, of course, they're warm season. They're really not putting out too much growth this time of year. They're really going tan. But the final cut, you wanted the blades, you know, with the final cut, about to any place between one and two inches. So I've made the final cut on mine, and uh, it's kind of nice to see. I don't mind it looking tan in the wintertime. Everything else is sort of like weird-looking. But if you've got the cool season lawns, definitely don't put your mower away. Don't I mean, you're going to have to keep cutting because they're cool weather. They're going to keep growing. And they, the blades elongate too much. Then we get some snow or anything or heavy-duty rains. Then all the blades are going to be laying over. And then that's bacteria problems. That's bacteria factories. So let's head over to Belleville and go into Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a couple questions about hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. I have the endless summer hydrangeas. When and what do you use to fertilize them? Basically, they like all hydrangeas, you know, really want an acid type fertilizer. So any fertilizer that means it has sulfur in it and it has iron in it. That's what they, you know, the specific type. It doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. And mentioning leaves and mowing, I have five mature trees in my yard, and the whole neighborhood is full of mature trees. I can only mulch so much before it becomes a blanket on the grass. Right. Everyone walks by and says, oh, don't rake them, mulch them. When is enough mulch? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, if you start seeing it, and so in other words, your lawn is buried and you can't see your lawn, even though underneath these trees you're not going to have much lawn anyway. No. (laughs) That's that's basically, you don't want to... You don't want it to pile up because it's not going to do any good. It's going to cause more harm than good. Well, I'll be the one out there with the rake today then. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, after the show. That's where I'm headed. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for your help. Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, mulching is great, but, you know, putting too much mulch down, you know, whether it's chopped up leaves or whatever it happens to be, is can cause real trouble. When I worked at the botanical garden in the English woodland garden, we had leaf, we call it leaf mold, but it's really leaf mulch. And it was like all the leaves were picked up. They run through, a, you know, say, a, I don't want to say a shredder, but a shredder basically. And they were piled up in the area, the storage area. And then during the wintertime, I'd go down, get like, a, you know, loads, small load, uh, in a trailer of leaf mold, and then I'd spread it over the, you know, over, over the woodland garden. Now, that's perennials, so that's fine. But even the depth on that even in a woodland situation, even though you say, well, these plants are in the woods, so the trees, you know, drop leaves and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times in our own gardens or like in the English woodland garden, some of those plants aren't native underneath our trees with these kind of leaves. So that's where the trouble comes in. So on a lawn, just watch out. It just becomes, even if they're chopped up into smaller pieces, you might as well have just the big leaves there because they're going to cause the bacteria problems. Let's head up to Florissant and go into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, thanks for coming on my show. Sure. Hey, um, I have one word, moles. And? <laughs> what can I do? They, I used to have a beautiful front yard. 
and they have just totally destroyed it. I don't know whether I attack it in the spring or if there's anything I can do right now. As long as they're tunneling, you can use the traps. I mean, that's there's plenty of people that say they have different ways of getting the moles under control. But basically what they're doing is there's, you know, if the ground gets cold, then the earthworms stop moving, and that's their main diet. So then they go back to their den and kind of go into a hibernation. But when the ground is warm, like it is now, as a result of just the way the weather is this particular year, they're going to keep active and because they're going to eat as long as there's something to eat. So they're tunneling. Uh, I mean, in reality, the thing that I have found and what I, again, when I was at the Botanical Garden that was most effective was the traps. Now, there's all kinds of different things that will, people have called in you know, over the years on they've used this, they've done that, and it, it's worked effective for them. But that's, you know, there's several different kinds of traps, so just go online and take a look at those. You need a couple of them. You need to watch where the tunnels pop up and then put the traps, you know, along that area where they've popped up. And then consequently, if nothing happened during that one or two days, then you're going to have to move them to a different location. So do you think that my yard, if I don't do anything right now, is still going to, I mean, is there some something in the spring that I'm going to have to do to make it look better? Or, <laughs> I mean, am I, am I going to have to put side to where all that was? Because you wouldn't believe how how horrible my yard looks are you sure it's moles uh well yeah yeah they're okay. you can tell the holes come up and they got their tunnels right and if you get piles of dirt that just means they're digging that tunnel that goes back to their sleeping den you know they have the surface tunnel that's their more or less buffet line and they've got another tunnel below that and that's why when you see small piles of dirt pushed up to the surface that is a result of them digging the tunnel going back to their sleeping den. So, I mean, right, well, you haven't, you've apparently, you, you know, you had a nice yard or else you wouldn't have moles because you wouldn't, if you didn't have a nice yard, you wouldn't have earthworms. So, consequently, yeah. they're there, you know, for that reason. I mean, these things that send, you know, pulsing things into the ground, they, you know, you know, repel the moles. Well, that's great, you know, to keep them from coming in if they're effective. But once they're in, it's not going to drive them out of your yard necessarily. So, again, it's... A All right, well, I might have to go to the caddy shack thing and just put a bunch of dynamite in there and blow them up. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate your help, Mike. Sure. It's, it's going to... I mean, it's a nightmare, and it's really unfortunate because if... I mean, to see this happen, but again, if you didn't have a nice yard, if you had a t more or less a terrible lawn area, there's not going to be many earthworms, so the moles are going to say, we're not going in there. There's nothing to eat. Okay. Yeah, I got you, sir. So. Alrighty. It's going to be a battle. I'll, I mean, there are professional services, too, that will come out and do it if you don't want to screw around with buying them and setting them and everything else. Okay, I may try that. All right. Thank you, Mike. Sure, good luck. But then after you get, let's say, the moles get rid of them, just realize that then it's going to be a sort of a rebuild of your lawn. Let's go now to John Jard. John, how are you today? Hey, Mike, good morning. I enjoy your show. Well, thanks. Um, my question is in regards to leaves. I'm retired now, so I have the time, but we have quite a few leaves that fall in our yard on a daily basis. 
and I just, since the weather's been so nice, I go out there two or three hours a day and, and hand rake the leaves up and bag them. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, um, am I better instead of hand raking the leaves, which I don't mind doing physically, uh, am I better two or three times a week just to cut the le- cut the yard and mulch the leaves in or cut the yard and bag the leaves? I want to do what's best for the health of the yard. Well, it was like an earlier caller. Once the mulch, let's say you you all these leaves are there, you, you have a mulching mower or you chop them up. Once it gets so thick that the more or less you can't see the lawn really well, then it could be problematic from a bacteria standpoint. So that's where the trouble comes in. Yeah, now I usually don't run into that problem because by raking daily, right. you know, I'm, I'm usually getting, um, you know, most of the leaves up. Of course, when I'm done raking, sometimes the wind blows and some more come down, but then I get them the next day. Right. You know, so, and, and so in no way by hand raking the yard am I damaging the yard. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Because my wife thought, you know, sometimes because it, when I'm waking it, sometimes I see some of the, it appears like dead grass coming up. Well, that and, dead and grass I, is more or less from when you've raked or when you've mowed, that's the yeah. blades from where you're mowing, even if your mower has a bag and everything else. Okay. So that's not a problem. You're not digging up unless you have, you know, some trouble with your soils. You're not raking up live, viable plants. You're raking up blades that are probably brown from when you were doing some mowing. Now, at this time of year, of course, the grass doesn't grow as much, so you don't mow as much. But right. when I do mow, am I better to mulch or better to bag? Uh, it's, it's really, again, just so it doesn't get where the debris from your mower mowing doesn't get so much that it starts like covering your lawn. That's where okay. the trouble comes in. So you could alter it. So you could mulch one time, then bag the next time, or do it, you know, whatever you want as far as what kind of combination. Okay. Well, very good, Mike. I appreciate the information, and um, I enjoy listening to your program every week. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me on your show. And have speaking, a good day. Yeah, speaking of raking, uh, I live in a city, so we have yard waste dumpsters, and, you know, I do. You know, a couple times I've run the mower. I have a mulching mower. I cut, you know, I cut the the leaves up. But for the most part, I do rake. And I'm going to rake today after the show. And so consequently, I've already filled the yard waste dumpster myself uh, twice. So that shows you how many leaves that I have from the trees that I have. Plus, I live right across the street from a park. And they're starting, luckily, they haven't started the severe blowing from the southwest to the northeast because I'm on the northeast corner of Christie Park. So consequently, the wind blows them, you know, right into my yard. And on average, I end up spending, uh, I hate to think how many hours, a lot of hours, but how many, I just go by how many dumpsters I fill. Sometimes I, I'm running out of space, so I have to actually climb up into the dumpster and crush them down by bouncing inside the dumpster. Then I dump more leaves into it. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Right now, the cool season weeds are really starting to show up. I mean, really aggressive. The hen bits, the dead nettle, which those are cousins of each other, 
the chickweed, that's the one that's most prominent. Now, I haven't, I've seen only a couple little clumps of the annual bluegrasses, and there's several other cool season weeds. And I don't put, you know, herbicides on my yard because I want to see what's coming up so I can kind of keep, a, you know, keep track of the way things are. But it's really kind of amazing how much of the, you know, how fast the chickweed spreads. Because there's certain, you know, I ultimately I do pull it up. But sometimes I just leave one clump in place and just so I can see how aggressive it's going to be. And it is really shocking. Even though it's a cool season annual weed, which they germinated back in August. And you'd think, well, you know, it's kind of warm. That should slow them down. But it doesn't. But uh, probably the most prominent one in my yard right now is chickweed. I mean, there is some hen bit. And there is a little bit of the Persian speedwell, but for the most part, chickweed is the most dominant one. Let's go now to Oakville, and that's where Linda lives. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a question about if I want to get rid of ivy, would it be best to cut it at the source where it comes out of the ground and then put um, like a woody? Oh, and actually, too. I kept up over and over again using like a Roundup, maybe it wasn't for Woody, and then trying to paint it on the stems, but I got some bone-eyed um, killer for Woody plants, and we had one at our subdivision sign that just wouldn't die. And so instead of brushing it on, I just poured a little bit on, and it's not coming back this time. So that I highly recommend that. But would I do the same thing for ivy, just cut it back to the source? You don't have to cut it quite, you know, to the ground. But, you know, even just going out, I don't know if you play golf, but uh, anyway, going out and just bruising the foliage with, you know, taking just a garden rake or something and, you know, tear some cuts into the leaves, then put the herbicide down because those open wounds is going to get that herbicide in there that much quicker. Okay. And then also I was uh, listening when the man just called about his yard being totally torn up by moles. Right. And that happened with us, too, this summer earlier. And we tried, we had seven traps out there, even a new kind, like a scissors trap, all these different traps that people recommended. Mm-hmm. And we actually killed them off. They had wow. destroyed our yard <laughs> with, poison, with those poison mold peanuts. They come in a cone-shaped container, and you just stick the, the pointy cone down into their tunnel. You have to determine where that is. And put like a cap full in there, but you, I mean, they're only like five, $3 to $5 a cone. I think we used a whole cone in there, but we got rid of them. And then our yard looks beautiful now. We had it core aerated and seeded, and then we just fertilized it and with starter, and it came back beautifully. Well, that sounds great. But I mean, so. The molds are active now, which they are, he could kill them off now, and obviously he can't do that seeding and all that to wait till spring, but, right. you know, now, but um, I recommend those peanuts because we played around with those traps for a month or so, and they just kept kept on going around them, or I don't know what <laughs> happened, you know, we knew how to set them, we stuck our finger down there and knew where the tunnel was and mm-hmm. all that, too. Well, it sounds like so, you're a mole expert. Well, we are by now. We've had them for years. So. <laughs> Nothing teaches yeah. like experience. But yeah, every scenario is going to be the same. You know, as far or not, the, it's not going to be the same. So if you've had good luck with the poison peanuts, that's great. And 
you know, people should try it. If they, you know, the traps is just what I've had the best experience with. And so that's why I, you know, continue to recommend them. And that's what the professional services, you know, use for the most part. But if the poison peanuts have worked for you, that's fantastic. Yeah, we thought maybe you should try those too. All right. Okay, thanks. Have a good weekend. Sure. You do the very same thing. Yeah. And also, if you have a problem with moles, uh, move into the city. There's no moles in the city. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say none. Let's, Skip, could you do it kind of quickly? Hello? Hi. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, I've got a what's called a cyclone rake that I tow behind my lawnmower, and it shreds the leaves pretty fine. Why can't I use those leaves as mulch either on my climbing roses or on my uh, rhododendrons? No, you can. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm just saying don't let it pile up on your lawn areas. Okay. And the next question has to do with the climbing roses. Uh, they've gotten extremely leggy, hanging over my driveway. When is a good time to prune them back? Uh, uh, well, probably with the climbers, I'd wait until uh, we're coming out of wintertime and do it at that time. If you want to, if they're extremely long, go ahead and cut them back about half the distance that you want to cut them and then take the other half off in the spring before the new growth begins. Okay, and if I do use the leaves as mulch on the roses, I assume I should pull it away in the spring when it gets warm? Yeah, exactly. Okay, but I can leave it by the rotos or not? Uh, no, you can leave it You can leave it there with them because it's going to melt down there. But with the roses, uh, you know, hopefully it's dense enough that it's going to protect the, you know, the crown. I'm assuming this is a climbing rose, so it's got a, you know, like a lump more right. or less, a crown. So you want to make sure that you're giving that plenty of protection. That's why sometimes using leaf mold or leaf, you know, leaf mulch, it has a lot of air in it. And we get a severe winter, it could, you know, not offer the insulation that a normal type mulch would. Would I be better off using the shredded leaves or, or piling whole leaves? No, don't pull. No, do not pile up whole leaves because there's too much moisture. There's too many air pockets in that, even more so than the smaller pieces. Okay, because okay, I piled them about a foot high last winter. All right. And they seem to have worked okay, but I just wanted to make sure that that was a, a good idea. Right. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, for people that live in kind of the rural areas where, I mean, rural meaning whatever, but uh, the the deer are going to start causing some real problems. So some of the, if you're looking to plant uh, some woody, let's say some trees or something, or some shrubs that deer generally stay away from, but if the weather really gets harsh, they could go after it. The ginkgo tree, the oak leaf hydrangea, the gold thread branch cypress, though I'm saying that, and I was at a house the other day where the deer had munched a gold thread branch cypress pretty severely. So, I mean, it kind of made it look really strange. It was narrow at the bottom and wide at the top. But uh, anyway, hawthorns, American holly, junipers, paper bark birches, and several other ones. So there are plant materials that are not the favorite of deer, but if we have a severe winter time, then they're going to go after anything they can. So that's where the real trouble comes in. So just realize that. Other things, the woody plant material, witch hazels, uh, blue spruce, Rosa Sharon, Leucothe, those are some of the things that the deer will generally stay away from. 
So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, this is the tip of the trowel hour, and I will be giving it shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, yes, I mean, is this just overwhelming how long this has taken? Is this a normal thing? I mean, you're in the news world more so than I am. It has taken longer. Like, remember Gore Bush that went to the Supreme, Supreme Court? Court? So right. that took a long time. Right. Uh, we've had close races like this before. and uh, But th- this is, you know, it, it just, it's dragging out. You got these mail-in ballots that are coming in and, you know, because of coronavirus, a lot of people voted by mail-in ballots. Right. And so they are taking longer to count because in Pennsylvania, they weren't allowed to start counting early. <laughs> you know, a lot of them, they don't, they don't like publish the results, but right. they at least can queue them up and have them ready to go. Sure. And, and in P- Pennsylvania, they wouldn't let them do that. Which seems so, a little here interesting. here we go. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a lot of games, you know, and, and you can, politics is, is a big game. Right. The problem is it affects a lot of people. Everyone. It's not, it's not really a game. <laughs> right. But those who are in it play it like it's a game, and the rest of us just sit here and hold on. Well, I admire everybody in the newsroom and everything else because yeah. it is really just has to be overwhelming. For me, I can just go, well, I'm going to go out and play in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, if I didn't have a yard to play in, I would be pulling my hair out. I'd have more than just that one bald, big bald spot there. <laughs> uh, speaking of yards, how you how's your yard looking? It's it, you know the the freeze really killed off. We had some beautiful wildflowers that were still really colorful and gorgeous, and when you had that freeze the other night, man, right. they just they they're gone. So I pulled a bunch of them out, and we're kind of in that transition to winter. Sure, get prepared for next spring mode now. All right, sounds yeah. perfect. But this weekend, I'm going to be spending a lot of time out there. <laughs> perfect. Yes. Yes, folks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs and all arounds, annuals. There's not too many annuals left except pansies, you know, and because if you buy the potted mums this time of year, generally you can put them in the ground, even though they're perennials, technically, the chances of them getting their root system established and everything else to be able to make it through the wintertime, it's going to be a little bit iffy. It's going to be weather-dependent for sure. And hopefully all your bulbs, you know, your spring-flowering bulbs, have been planted. If not, try to get them in the ground as, as soon as you possibly can. And depending upon how daring you want to be, I mean, for last several years, people— you know, that have had cannas or some of the other tropical summertime bulbs uh, planted close to their houses. They've left them. They've just put mulch over them, and they've come back very easily or very well. So, uh, again, you could take a chance with it. I've already dug all mine up, and uh, I'm going to bring them. They're still sitting in the garage now drying so I can shake all the potting mix and soil off of them before I bring them inside. And your ground covers, your house plants, 
your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrub, your vine, and your water gardens. If you do have a water garden and you do have koi or any kind of fish in there, don't let a lot of leaf debris fall in there. Put a net over the top of it because when leaves get into the water gardens, they can create a toxic environment, toxic for the fish. So just realize that. And remember, I'm sharing my answers, thoughts, comments, and everything else, but it is not the only garden path to take. It's strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, Alex, he is producing. He answers the phone as well. So um, guess what? He is the master of all this stuff. And uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting, so I can come to your home. We can discuss whatever is going on, aesthetic or problem-solving or anything else, plant recommendations. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number. And uh, we can do a walk and talk, or I'll come to your home and do a walk and talk. And a tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Again, the tip of the trial goes out to all the people that were at Warner Elementary School with Tracy and I that stood in this line. I mean, this line had to be probably a quarter mile long because it zigzagged back and forth across this, you know, on the west side of the school, there's an, you know, an asphalt parking lot, or I guess a schoolyard, not a parking lot. But they do use part of it as a parking lot. But everybody that stood in that line, I just, a tip of the trial goes out to everybody that got out there and voted. And who you voted for, certainly we voted for somebody that we believed in. And who you voted for, I mean, that, that's important to a certain point. But the simple fact that you got out and voted, I think that is the most important thing. So, again, a tip of the trial to everybody that got out and voted. And the ones that were lucky enough to be able to not have to stand in line, well, that was great. But, uh, I mean, standing in line wasn't all that horrible. I mean, even though for a while it was like, ugh, a couple <laughs> A couple of people did bring folding chairs with them because they realized how long it was going to be. So anyway, thanks to everybody who voted and uh, keep America great. We don't have to make America great again. It is always great, and we just have to ensure that it stays great by voting. Let's uh, get a call in if we can. Let's go to Joanne. And Joanne, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing good. Great. Yes, go ahead. Uh, my question is, what's the best time to transplant a hydrangea? Uh, probably, we're getting a little bit late, so I would probably wait until we, we're coming out of wintertime. So sometime around uh, between uh, mid-February and mid-March, that's when I would do it. But just make okay. sure when you dig it up that you water it the day or so ahead of time so the ground is really moist. That will keep you know, the root hairs intact as much as possible. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. And now Have a good weekend. You do the very same thing. Let's see if we can get over to Dale's yard. Hi, Dale. <clears throat> Morning, Mike. Hi. Um, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, composting and um, buying, uh, you know, like tandem loaded and stuff. But I could never find to rent a spreader, a decent spreader. I always got to do it by hand. Do you know of anybody? I know there's one guy in Fenton that's got a spreader, but he's an hour and a half away from me. Ooh. I, I just don't understand why all of these people that are into composting, because it's such a great thing, especially if you have poor soil, Right. they don't have a better avenue 
to put it down correctly, you know? Right. I would say... I was wondering if, if you could maybe try to generate some interest from all these people that are, are buying the, the stuff to um, rent that stuff. Because I'd, I'd definitely rent it and use it and probably put it down on some of my uh, lawns that I take care of. Right. Now, I know St. Louis Composting in the Valley Park location, they used to have spreaders they rent. But I don't know if they're still doing that because if I don't know what you live in North County or where do you actually live? I'm out in St. Paul, uh, in St. Charles. Okay. The dirt and the topsoil is really poor. Right. Well, it's probably no worse than any place else through the region, but yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, go to your favorite garden center or, you know, and see if they've got somebody that they can recommend that would have, you know, some kind of uh, machinery that you could rent. Yeah, I, I've done all that. Oh, really? It's not out there. And uh, what I'd like to do is have... Uh, you know, a heavy hitter like you go to some of these places like St. Louis compost and say, Hey, you got an Avenue out there. Um, you know, cause, cause what I like to do is I like to aerate and then put this down to get it into the soil to sure. help break up that top sure. layer, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know what the, the deal is with the equipment or, you know, so, I mean, I can't even guess. Maybe the maintenance yeah. is, you know, is problematic, and that's why no nobody's doing it. That could be, you know, but they're about eight thousand bucks a copy for Whoa. a one. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a powered one. I mean, we're talking about doing between an acre and three acres. You're ah. going to need something decent, you know. Right. And then, um, you know, it's bulky to store, and you know, all of that, but. I think there's an avenue out there for somebody to make some money if you could go in and knock it out quick because people, they, they don't want you out there with a wheelbarrow and shovels, you know, putting it down with an acre of ground. Right. It, that's... Does such a great, it does such a great job that you could show them the difference if sure. you get a, right. a reasonable way of doing it. So maybe if you talk to your sponsors and stuff, you could see if you could get something going on. Okay, great. And also maybe a recommendation. How about Dale's Spreader Rentals? Oh, maybe. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Dale. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hello, Jane. Are you there? Is it Jane or Jan? Oh, I guess it's Jan. Okay. Uh, thanks, Mike. I have three Velma's Royal Delight crepe myrtle shrubs. They made it through the winter with a planted them last fall, late mm-hmm. last fall. They made it through the winter with just a little bit of dieback, trimmed them. They look beautiful. But I was told to put some chicken wire around them and stuff leaves around them to protect them. Well, I really, you know, I'm in the suburbs. I don't have a lot of leaves. And I've seen online these burlap bags you can buy or other covers that's supposed to insulate them, and they say they're vented and everything. And I was wondering if, if that was a good thing to do or a bad thing to do. I wouldn't bother with it, to be honest. Okay. I would say, you know, if you want to put some mulch around them, just get some, you know, bag mulch. But other than that, that's all I would do. And just put it around the base again? Yes, and just, you know, in the springtime, just pull it back. and. Okay. Uh, 
that's all you know all you need okay. to do okay and i got a quick question about some uh bottle brush buckeyes i've got four of them they're about five feet tall i love them but they're growing up a lot from the bottom in addition to the top and someone told me i should either prune the top and let them come out from the bottom or prune the bottom and let them bloom out at the top and i think they look really good uh with the stuff growing out from the bottom because it kind of fills in you know right where the so does it hurt to just let them go or should i prune them one way or the other no you don't have to prune them at all i mean they're colonizers yeah. are natural habit you can just go to the okay. botanical garden i mean look at the colony of the bottle yeah. brush buckeye there i've i've seen those yes yeah. okay all right well, that's good. So thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, with okay, this whole, you know, this goes back to the whole thing about we're uh, so addicted to pruning and just more. We should do less pruning than more. So it sounds like you got everything going just right. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. Uh-huh, and bye-bye. now let's head from Jane's yard over to Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Good morning, Mike, and thank you for your expertise. I'm calling about hydrangeas. Um, I've always done nothing and just looked at the dry brown flowers all winter and I'm wondering um, if I should be cutting those back if so how far down the stem and basically I'd like to know what to do with hydrangeas in the fall and the spring thank you very much I think just leave the hydrangeas alone if you don't want to look at those bracts so in other words the finished flowers that are brown through the winter time uh-huh. just cut it right below where the you know where the flowers you know start and just that's uh-huh. all you need to do and they'll come back in the spring then yep wonderful thank you so much yeah don't cut them you know you know don't do any kind of maintenance pruning or anything else just get rid of those those brown bracts b r i c t and uh, so you don't have to look at them. Wonderful. Thanks again. Sure. And let's go from Susan over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hi. Uh, two questions about two different plant issues. I have a tree in the front yard, a tree in the backyard. One's an elm, one's a maple. They both hang over the house. Is now not the time to have somebody come out and cut them back? Uh, you can have it done this time of year. Generally with the maples, they prefer because of sap flow to be pruned in the summertime. But uh, if the, you know, if you're worried about them hanging over your house, I'd certainly put that top priority as opposed to worrying about sap flow and pruning what time of year. So you could certainly, I mean, this is an ideal time to get the tree services to come out and take a look at them. Like, okay, I appreciate that. Another question. Is it harmful? Not to rake up leaves, uh, if it other gets, than come spring, maybe mulch them up with a lawnmower. If it, if they get too deep, then they're going to create humidity, and humidity creates bacteria, and that creates problems for lawn. Okay, thank you for that information. Sure. Can I make a statement? Sure. Okay. When John Kennedy ran against Richard Nixon, the, the election, the votes were so close. Nixon had the right constitutional. I don't know. He had the right to call for a recount. He elected not to because he said it wouldn't be good for the country. At least, if he's a crook or not, at least Nixon was a patriot. He just said it wouldn't be good for the country to have a recount. That's my statement for your listeners. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, the attitude of uh, certain people is just different. There's no getting around it. And now that's Paulette from Oakville. How are you? Hey, Mike. Hi. 
Thank you for your great show. We listen every Saturday. And um, listen, I was bringing in my plants. I should have done it, I know, a long time ago. But I have a very large aloe vera plant. It's like top-heavy. It was just a little thing when I got it. And now it's just this monster plant. And I was just wondering, do I cut it off? What do I do? Basically, you live with the monster. (laughs) Oh, really? I mean, it's... Isn't it sending out some side shoots at the bottom? Yes, yes it does. It is doing that, too. Right. But, I, I, you know, I can't hardly really lift this pot. It's so heavy. <laughs> I just thought, uh, how on earth am I? You know, I just started out with just a little thing, and now I've got this big, huge, it looks like it's out in the desert somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and well, I, you're a great grower. Let's put it I, that way. No, I don't. I just leave it alone. I couldn't believe it when I went out there, to you know, and then dragging it in and, I don't know. I, I'm getting older now, and I can't lift it. And I'm going, how do I cut this thing? You know. <laughs> but I mean, and, it's a pot that's probably most of the weight. I mean, certainly the plant adds some of it. But uh, you know, if you want to cut off the, let's say, the large part and just leave the smaller suckers on the sides, you could do that. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Listen, I was in a produce department, and I saw some of these aloe vera, you know, these long aloe vera shoots, uh, these stems or whatever they're called. They had them in the produce department. Hmm. Are they edible? Um, well, I don't know. You know, I don't. I mean, I couldn't believe it. They were like two ninety eight for a long <laughs> thing of this aloe vera that I, you know, I'm trying to get rid of. And I'm going, I wonder if you know if, if uh, you know, we can do something with that. But evidently, I'll have to look a little further. Yeah, <laughs> I've never eaten one. Let's put it that way. No, I I didn't want to eat it. I just thought, well, can I squeeze it out? Because you always hear of aloe vera for health reasons. Sure, I mean for burns things. and things. Can like I that. use that kind of stuff out of these stems? Yes, or not? That's exactly where it comes from. It's from these. It's actually leaves, you know, and right. just it's the but, moisture. I mean, uh, I, it just one of them fell off, and there was all this yellow, dark yellow, runny stuff. And I thought, well, that doesn't look like the aloe vera stuff. What well, is they that? Kinda, yeah, they cleaned it up before they sort of like market it. Oh, okay, all right. So, you think it's the same plant that they're selling in the produce department? If you think it is? If it's aloe vera, it's aloe vera, regardless of where it is and whether it's a garden center or a produce in a side okay. of a grocery store. Okay. Hey, listen, you have sugar maples around your place, um, and I take my walks, and there are still some beautiful sugar maples that have all their leaves. Why is mine all gone? Why, what am I doing by every year, by the 31st of October, the most beautiful tree in the world in the neighborhood is gone? Yeah. And, I, you know, the, the leaves, is there any way to elongate that color in the leaves that they'll stay? Am I not? Is there a mulch or something I could put around it that would help the leaves to stay longer on the tree? No, not at all. And actually, you know, we have three of them. One of them is already totally defoliated. In other words, lost all its leaves. The other two are about uh, 60% leaves still you know, being maintained. And they're only, you know, I mean, 30 feet apart. So why one, okay. you know, has already lost all its leaves and the other two still have quite a huge number of leaves it's just, you know, sort of the quirkiness of nature. I just thought if there was, if I needed an auger to, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to get some compost down in there to make it stay longer because it's, it's so beautiful and then boom, it's gone. Right. But anyway, uh, listen, is it too late to plant um, daffodil bulbs? 
Uh, no, get them in the ground as soon as you can, though. Okay. Thanks, Mike. I love the show. Sure. Well, thank you. All right. You. Bye. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Gloria, how are you today? I'm doing all right. I want to ask you about the compost. Can you buy those in bags? Where, what's the best place to go get them? Uh, basically, you can buy it in bags. You can get them at garden centers, you know, big box stores. You can go to St. Louis Composting. So it's sold in many different locations. So the compost is better for your flowers than regular topsoil? Uh, yeah, because the topsoil, compost actually feeds the soil. Putting, you know, just adding topsoil to the, your soil is not necessarily going to be the best thing. That's sort of the advantage of compost. It's, it's let's say, compressed, com- condensed or compressed, you know, new, micro and macro nutrients where topsoil is not necessarily going to have that. So you have to work it into the soil to get the advantage of the compost. But, yeah, it's much better than just getting topsoil, and especially topsoil in a bag, never buy that stuff. Oh, it ain't no good. No. <laughs> okay, now Scott got some topsoil that seemed like it's a little better. Uh, yeah. If it's Scott's topsoil, nah. Any of the topsoils, I've just you know, I did. I you know, I've not really seen. I've not really had good experience with it. Let's put it that way. Okay. If I'm doing new grass seeds, would I use topsoil or use the compost? You mean if you're gonna? So you're putting down grass seed now? I put down grass seed after September. Uh. Probably right now, I wouldn't, you know, I'm assuming it should have germinated by now. So it a should be. A little bit of it have. Yeah, so it should be growing. It's still some bare, it's still some little bare spots. Okay, so I would say just kind of leave it alone. Don't do anything right now. Maybe a little okay. bit of compost, but just to lay it on top of the surface is not really going to help that much. Okay, I'll wait the next um, spring, I guess. Yes. Okay, and the one more question. Can I plant? the bulbs in a flower pot and leave them outside for the winter. I do. That's what I do every year. And they come, yeah, and they can come back and I don't have to dig them up. Right. So <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. Okay. Yeah, just do make sure to... the pot's big enough and don't put the bulbs too close to the perimeter. You want to have at least an inch or so between the edge of the inside of the pot and where the bulbs are. Oh, okay. Because I bought some last year from Home Depot that was already planted in a pot. And I said, well, I could just put these, you know, I kept them and they feel good. And I was going to just put them in, dig a little dirt and put them in, you know, down in there. Yeah, use potting mix, you know, to plant your bulbs in. Don't use dirt. Oh, they already planted about last year. Right. And they were planted and they pot theirs in potting mix. They don't plant them in soil. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's see, where should we go? I can't even tell. Let's go over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I got a question on you know, to tag on to the mums you were talking about. They're not good to uh, plant now to germinate. 
is it okay to bring them? I, I still have them in the pots in the garage and trying to keep them alive there. Will that work? Uh, it depends upon how cold your garage is going to get. You know, other than that, um, you could give it a try and see what happens. But I mean, how are you uh, supposed to get them to root? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're already rooted in the pot. It's just the problem is okay. if you put them in the ground, their roots are not going to migrate out into the soil to make them hardy. So that's where the you know, and so if you're going to try to have them in the pot, they're going to go, you know, they're going to go brown during dormancy. And just make sure that you don't let them go too dry because that's going to send them downhill. So you're going to have to water them through the wintertime. And and it's got to be up close, you know, fairly close to a window where it's going to have an adequate amount of light. Even though the foliage is brown, you still want to have some light hitting them. Yeah, okay. And the other question I have is about a sweet potato plant. Mm -hmm. This is the first year when I dug them up that I actually got the bulbs from underneath. Right. And now they're like clumpy, I guess, in the spring. Can I divide those up like and, you know, plant them as different plants? Uh, well, they should just look like, uh, you know, a kind of a small sweet potato. Yeah, they are. But these are, have clumped up to like four sweet potatoes, in a, you know, together. Right. Well, I would probably divide them now and let them dry. Oh, okay. Because if you divide them in the springtime and stick them in the ground where you've snapped them apart, that could be too much moisture when they're in the ground, and that could cause some rot. But I would okay. pull them apart, let that dry, and then try planting them in the springtime. All right, cool. All right, thanks. Love the show. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's go from Mike's to Mark. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mike. Uh, my wife and I planted a blackberry bush in 2019. Didn't do a whole lot, so I just left it. And this year it came back like gangbusters. Uh, we have like a six foot by four foot trellis and it, it filled the whole trellis and there's a lot. Do I need to prune that back this year? Um, we got a lot of good fruit on it this year and I just wanted to make sure I did the right thing. So you got fruits in the second year off blackberries? Yes. That's kind of amazing. Usually it and takes about two years before they get acclimated enough to start producing some fruit. And I, I don't know if my wife had bought it from someone. I'm not sure. But but we did get a lot of fruit this year. So I just didn't know if I need to, like I say, prune it back this year. I would say, so it's only, is it a single cane or is there multiple canes? Uh, there's multiple canes. Okay. Uh, I would say just leave it alone. And ultimately what's going to happen is the the canes that are the largest out mm-hmm. of the group, is they're going to become, let's say, dysfunctional as far as fruiting goes. So if you start to see one of the canes not produce fruit, then cut that one basically all the way back down to the ground and get get rid of it, get it out of there. Got it. Okay, great. Great. All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go. We've gone Mike, Mark, and now Mary. We're sticking in the M's. (laughs) Hi, Mary. Uh, Those are my... uh, Hi there. Thank you for this program. I really appreciate it. Um, I I wanted to... um, I'm considering putting in a couple of wagelias, and I'd like to know which variety you would think um, would uh, flower the most. One of them would be in direct south sun. The other one would get not not direct sun. It would kind of like be in a be in a corner, um, and it would get after. It's mostly going to get afternoon sun. So I don't even know if that's a good spot to put a wagelia. I would say the more sun, the better for it. 
And as far as yeah. variety-wise, I would say just look at, you know, I don't know which varieties you're looking at, but I would go with the ones that are going to have a tendency to stay smaller, like three feet or less. Some of the ones just, yes. they overgrow the space and it becomes trouble that way. So that's, you know, my recommendation is to look at the varieties that are available, see which ones are going to stay relatively small. Okay. Um, and with the place where I have intended to put these, um, definitely is a pretty small space. So, um, so in, the, in a place where I'm only going to get afternoon, mostly afternoon sun, what do you recommend for um, an area like that? Well, as, uh, Peren- no. I'm looking at perennials. Peren- well, shrubs, I mean, you're talking shrubs, not perennials. Um, really, I I would prefer to have um, a perennial that's going to have some flower for some color to it. Well, wygelias are shrubs. Correct, but they bloom. Right, and they right? bloom for yeah. a rel- relatively short period of time. Okay. So, in other words, a couple um, of weeks is going to be it, and then there's just going to okay. be leaves. What about a nandina? Um, with they they have nandinas now that have a little bit of a red um, foliage. Yeah, I mean that's going to give you color. They do flower, but the flower is not spectacular. So you're really growing them for, let's say, the color of the foliage more so than the flowering. And then the flowers, when they get pollinated, produce little small berries. Okay, I didn't realize they do that. I've got okay. I have I have already have some plants that I re- didn't realize that they would have uh, any kind of flowers on them. One last question. I was interested in the previous caller who was going to put um, some bulbs in a in a pot. Right. And I for, uh, can I should I uh, I'm, I think I'm going to do that. And I forgot. Did Did you say to put that in compost? No, no, not so compost. Pot. Potting mix. Okay, potting mix. Right. Okay. And then once I get them potted, um, just. Don't even bother to put them outside. Just leave them in the garage. No, over no, the I would put them outside. Okay, because they so, need to get cold. Yeah, they need to get cold. They need to have rain. They need to have all that kind of stuff. All right. And I've been I think growing. That's a great idea. Yeah, I've been growing spring flowering bulbs in pots for a couple decades. Okay, that's a great idea. Yeah. That way. When they're finished blooming, you just put the pots away. Okay, that's a great idea. All right. And now, oh, thank you. out of all the years I've been growing them in pots, there has been probably one or two winters where it got so severe they actually got frozen. But that's, like I say, out of a couple decades, I can't complain that it's only happened probably twice. Okay. Well, that's good to know. No uh, no, no mulch or anything on top of that? Just just put them out there? Yeah. Right? Basically, I, you know, for an aesthetic standpoint, I do put mulch on the top of the pot just you know, because I want to see the mulch as opposed to just the potting mix. You don't have okay. to do that, but I just do it from an aesthetic standpoint. All right. I understand that. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. I really enjoy your program. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And, sure, uh, thanks. Sure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, out to St. Peter's into Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Morning, Mike. Morning. Uh, first, let me thank you for your show. 
you're you're a real treasure for uh, for St. Louis. <laughs> so uh, I just had um, I had one one answer first for your uh, caller who called in about the um, aloe vera. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, probably I don't know ten fifteen years ago became really popular to drink aloe vera water. Oh really? Um, yeah, supposedly it's good for the stomach, the digestive system. Um, I think I've heard that maybe even it has some weight loss potential for it, but I'm sure rather than buying, you know, aloe vera water, which is probably much more expensive than just water, people buy it and combine the two. And um, so I assume that's probably what she's seeing it in the stores for. I I haven't ever ever heard anybody cooking with it. And then I had a question for you about what I can do. So I've got a Japanese maple in the front yard. We bought this house. Um, it was here when we bought it and it's probably about 15 years old, but underneath, you know, how they kind of get very root bound and you can see the roots and nothing else will grow in there. Is there, is there anything you can do any there to make it uh, underneath it to make it more aesthetically pleasing? Is there anything like a shade tolerant plant or ground cover that might live there? Yeah. I mean, there's, you could just div- First of all, is this like one of the umbrella type, the dissectum, with the, or is this a big upright one? No, no. I'm sorry. I should have said that. This is a this is a lower one that kind of does the umbrella effect. It has the fringe leaves on it, yeah. so not a ton of distance between it and the ground. Probably about three feet. There. Are, I mean, you could try like periwinkle, vinca minor, v i n c a minor. Blue flowers in the springtime. It's evergreen with shiny oval shaped leaves. You might give that a try, but understand that it's somewhat aggressive, so it'll overgrow the space where you want it to, but you can always prune it. That would be probably— Yeah, no, I could keep it trimmed back. That's yeah. probably a very good idea. That's probably Yeah, it's, it's easy to trim. It's just, it's just an eyesore because it's just really—you know, no grass grows underneath right. it, and, and if I could just add a little color or greenery under it, I think it would make the tree itself prettier. Yeah, I think the Vinca Minor would be my choice. Regular ivy— the leaves are too big for that type of, you know, setting from my yeah. perspective. And the ivy really never does any flowering. This way you get blue flowers. I love it. I'll have to do it this, uh, this spring. All Thank right. you very much, Mike. Yep, my have pleasure. a good day. And again, it was Vinca, V-I-N-C-A, Vinca Minor is the perennial ground cover uh, periwinkle. Let's go over to Al's yard. Hi, Al. Hi, Mike. Uh, we planted some cana plants for the first time this year. There was four of them, and some of them grew up to about six or seven feet tall, and some about four or five. So, but anyway, we're in the process of digging them up and uh, getting the bulbs out, put away for the uh, winter. And I can't tell that they've all just kind of grown together. I thought they would come apart really easy, but these are real uh, stuck together, and I've actually cut some of them. So, is is the bulb part with that has the point coming out? Is that the part you need to keep? Yes. <laughs> That's okay, okay. And, yeah. and if the, like I say, some of these things were so big that I've I've sliced those bulbs, and I, I guess I just have to really look and make sure there's a point, and that's what you plant. It, it, as far as the uh, there's these little feeder roots. Do you just sort of break those off when it dries? Or they'll just dry up on their own. I mean, you don't have to do anything. Okay. And well, so I, you don't have to knock them off or anything else. You can just leave them. Oh, okay. I, I can't believe how big this got, though. It must have been a, about a foot across and eight inches deep. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> so, okay, thanks. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. This might be the last. Edith, how are you? Hello. Hi. 
Um, I have a question about irises. I have tons of them on the south side of my house. And over the years, I guess the roots, bulbs, the erosion, there's no dirt that covers them. How much dirt should cover them? They don't need it. They can. You can oh, have don't. those tubers exposed at the surface. It's not a big deal. If you don't like looking at those, an inch or so of mulch, and that's the best thing you, or the only thing you need to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was worried they would die back in the winter or frost or no. something, but they're just they're fine. Yeah. So. Well, they must be because they've been living like that for several decades and <laughs> without any maintenance. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. And now let's see. Marvin, can you do it kind of quick? I, I sure can. Uh, Mike, I've been listening to your show for a long time, and I'd really I'd like to say thank you. You've created such a great hobby. I grow garlic now. <laughs> and um, my and I listened to your show about five years ago, and you talked about growing garlic. So, But my complaint to you now is you taught me a, a hobby that I love so much that each year I keep on thinking about cutting back on plants. I just got done planting 1,300 garlic over the last couple of weeks. Whoa. <laughs> oh, yes. But again, I thank you because you piqued an interest in a plant that I never grew before. And I use the St. Louis composting soils and raised bed mixes. And man, do I turn out some great, great garlic. Wow, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, thank you. And it was your show that uh, generated this interest. And I got people growing all over the nation. I got people even growing out in the state of Maryland. Oh, yeah. I send stuff to. And, but again, we, we owe it to you and your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Greatly appreciate it. So, uh, it looks like about the end of the show. And speaking of garlic, uh, I had some pasta and garlic the other day, and it was delicious. <laughs> so uh, sorry, Jerry and Sue, we're not going to have a chance to get to you, but uh, we'll see if I'm going to be back next week. As far as I know, I should be, but you never really know. But again, I'm going to go back to people with cool season lawns, the fescues and bluegrasses, don't put your mower away because there's probably going to be two or three more times as you, you should be cutting your grass. Generally after Thanksgiving, you know, mid-December or so, even when the weather is more mild, they're not going to grow enough to make, you know, really problematic. And I'm going back to saying if those blades elongate because you stop mowing and we get extremely, let's say, it's still fall, wet fall and early winter that's really wet then you got bacteria problems. It's not going to show up until the active growth starts in the springtime again. So even though they're cool season lawns, they will slow down, and then they will pick it up as we come out and things start warming up a little bit. And then, of course, during the summertime, they just they don't shut down entirely, but they are less active growing at that time. And if you've got the zoysia, make sure you do cut it because it can have problems if the blades, even though they're brown, you know, just sort of pile up on top of each other. So that's where the real trouble is, is fungus and bacteria. And it has a lot to do with our weather. So have a great day. Have a great couple more days where the weather's going to be really, really nice. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.